Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, we've taken a pause in the book of Matthew for a couple Christmas messages. Here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching called Christmas Consolation. Baptism in the early church, my understanding of church history, baptism was the main time that individuals gave testimony to their faith in Christ and to their connection to the body of Christ. So it has great significance. It becomes a symbol, and in in some ways you may even call it a seal. But it is not salvation. Christ is salvation. In fact, Jesus' name means Yahweh is salvation. That's why they named him Jesus. And it's interesting, they gave him the name on the eighth day, and that would be the day that he was cut and bled. Kind of interesting, isn't it? He was named Yahweh is salvation, Jesus, on the day in his young life that he was cut and he bled. And he fulfilled the covenant. Now, some people ask the question, well, well, why would Jesus need to be circumcised and why would he need to be baptized? He didn't need to do it for spiritual reasons because he never sinned. He's God in human flesh. Then you say, pray tell, why? Because he was uh, fulfilling what Israel failed to do in keeping the whole law. He said to John, let this be done at the Jordan River that we may fulfill all righteousness. He was the perfect man. He identified with the people of Israel. His baptism would be similar to a person walking down the aisle. If Jesus Christ sat in the back row, listened to my sermon, oh, that would be scary. And then walked down the aisle and said, You know, I want to pray the sinner's prayer or something like that. This may not be the best illustration, but this is how mind-blowing it would be. That's that's why John said, you need to baptize me. I shouldn't be baptizing you. And Jesus said, let this be done, that we might fulfill all righteousness. He was walking in the fallen footsteps of Israel to redeem them in every way. His sacrificial death saves, but his perfect life is also attributed to us. Amen? That's why the Bible teaches us that we have the righteousness of Christ imputed to our account. Let this be done that we may fulfill all righteousness. And his righteousness has now been imputed to you. God sees you and me tonight. This is what consoles my soul. That I am declared righteous before the Father. Because I am in the Son. That's Christmas. (laughs) That's Christmas consolation. Christ has come. And he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22 says, And when the days there, uh, when the days for there, the New King James says, says her purification according to the law, Luke 2.22, of Moses were completed. They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now Jesus was born in Bethlehem, just about five, six miles from Jerusalem. And it says the days for her purification according to the law of Moses, were completed. So whenever you see something like that, you have to ask the question, okay, well, so where is that found? We, we have a verse that says, the law of Moses mentions the days of her purification. Then they go up to present him to the Lord. So this is where you want to turn to Leviticus chapter 12, taking scripture with scripture. Let's take a look. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. 
Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. You want chapter 12? This is verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel saying, when a woman gives birth and bears a male child, Leviticus 12.2, and uh, then she shall be unclean for seven days, Leviticus 12.2, as in the days of her menstruation, she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Then she, the mom, shall remain in the blood of her purification for 33 days. She shall not touch any consecrated thing. This applies, of course, to the people of Israel. Nor enter the sanctuary until the days of her purification are completed. But if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean for two weeks or 14 days, as in her menstruation. And she shall remain in the blood of her purification for 66 days. So for a male, it was 7 and 33 um, the eighth day he was circumcised. So just so you guys, uh, you hear pastors talk about when the wise men came, um, Jesus Christ was not a baby. He was in the house at the time from Matthew chapter 2. And he was between 41 days old and maybe a couple years old. This is some of the evidence that we have for this reason. Um, when the wise men came, they brought gifts of what? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You're going to see that uh, Joseph and Mary cannot afford a lamb to sacrifice at the temple. If they would have had the gold from the Magi, they could have easily bought a lamb. So we know that they came later. He's in a house. He's not in a stable or a cave. This is some of the evidence that we have for this conclusion. So it's seven days plus 33 for a male child, 14 days plus uh, 66 for a female you might ask me, why is the time double for a female? I have no good answer for that, nor do I desire to tread on that ground. Because I desire to walk in Christmas consolation. So I will just leave that alone. <laughs> now, we will come back to Leviticus, but if you turn back to Luke 2, look at verse 23. Luke 2, 23. So we'll, we'll flip back and forth a couple times there. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb, Luke 2.23, shall be called holy to the Lord. So now another verse is quoted, and this verse in verse 23 of Luke 2 is from the book of Exodus. We'll talk about that in a second. Notice that it says every firstborn male, Jesus was the firstborn of Joseph and Mary. Before they came together, he was miraculously born he was the oldest, the firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. See the phrase, holy to the Lord? That phrase is what they put on the crown of the high priest. His crown that he wears, the golden crown, says holy to the Lord. This is Exodus twenty-eight thirty-six. It says, you shall also make a plate of pure gold and shall engrave on it like the engravings of a seal, holy to the Lord. That's what the high priest wore on his headdress or crown as he ministered in the temple. Jesus Christ is what? Our ultimate high priest, and he is holy to the Lord. You ask the question, what does it mean to be holy? Holy means set apart. Ultimate holiness is found in God. It speaks of his otherness, his aboveness. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. But when God sets apart things for the temple service, 
priests, even the Bible is called the Holy Scriptures. What makes it holy is not the pages or the book that it's in. It's breathed by God, set apart by God. Priests are holy because they've been set apart by God. You are holy because you have been set apart by God. Do you believe it? You say, wow, holy? Yeah, you are holy. In fact, you're called a saint in the Bible. Set apart unto God. Not because you're all that holy. Some of you may be wearing holy clothing right now. On a recent Bible Answer broadcast, Mike Massaro was wearing a holy shirt. Anyway, we won't go there, but that was even on a Facebook Friday, wasn't it, Mike? But here's where this comes from. This is Exodus 13. Let's go ahead and turn there. I think taking Scripture with Scripture is how we learn our Bible. Exodus 13. So the, the setting is Israel's leaving Egypt, the Passover, right? They're getting out of town, and uh, the Pharaoh's going to chase them. But in between uh, the last plague and um, the actual final confrontation where God deals with Egypt, we have these words. This is Exodus 13, verse 1. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Sanctify to me every firstborn, the first offspring of every womb among the sons of Israel, both of man and beast. God says, Exodus 13, 2, It belongs to me. Uh, never would this be more true, these words of the firstborn, it, or we could say, he belongs to me. Never would it be more true than of Jesus when he was going, being presented by the, in the temple according to the law of Moses. Every firstborn, God says, it or he belongs to me. Never was it more true than of Jesus because he's God's son. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And so Jesus was being presented in the temple based upon these scriptures and you have a young Jewish couple and they want to be true to the word of God and especially careful with the son of God, right? And Moses said to the people, remember this day, 13.3, in which you went out from Egypt from the house of slavery for by a powerful hand the Lord brought you out from this place and nothing leavened shall be eaten. Skip down to verse 11. Now it shall come about when the Lord brings you to the land of the Canaanite as he swore to you and to your fathers and, and gives it to you that you shall devote to the Lord the first offspring of every womb and the first offspring of every beast that you own. The males belong to the Lord. But every first offspring of a donkey, that's an unclean animal, you shall redeem with a lamb. Interesting language. The donkey gets redeemed with a lamb. But if you do not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem point here is that the Lord allowed the firstborn of an unclean animal to be redeemed by a clean animal, specifically by a lamb. 1 Peter 1.18 says, You were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Jesus Christ. And it shall be, look at verse 14 of Exodus 13. And it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this? And you shall say to him, with a powerful hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. And it came about when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go. Interesting verse. Pharaoh was stubborn. We always are arguing back and forth. Who hardened whose heart? Was it Pharaoh? Was it God? Well, here you're told Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed every firstborn in the land of Egypt both the firstborn of a man and the firstborn of beast. 
Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord the males, the first offspring of every womb, but every firstborn of my sons I redeem. There's no human sacrifice in the Bible. That's abominable to God. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Merry Christmas from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team. We're so grateful to all of our partners who partner with Walk in Truth. Now we're excited to tell you, this month we have begun broadcasting in San Diego. So if you're listening from there, welcome. We hope that this teaching is a blessing to you. So now we're on two radio stations in Southern California. One in Northern California in the Bay Area, Arizona, Idaho, Utah, and two in Georgia reaching people from all walks of life and faiths. In addition, we have listeners all over the world, like in South Africa, Nepal, Australia, the United Kingdom, Pakistan, and Israel, thanks to our podcast. The point is, the hope of the gospel is getting around. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that I rarely do this, and I'm not necessarily even comfortable asking for finances, but the reality is that this program has to pay for radio airtime and what we do, and it's a blessing to partner with what you believe with the gospel ministry that hopefully has been a blessing to you. If that's you, would you please consider giving an end-of-the-year tax-deductible donation? Please give a one-time gift on behalf of you, your family, or business. You can help us pay for airtime for the radio station or podcast app you listen to. Visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com. Click Donate. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. First Peter 1.18 says, You were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, But with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Jesus Christ. And it shall be, look at verse 14 of Exodus 13. And it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this? And you shall say to him, with a powerful hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. And it came about when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go. Interesting verse. Pharaoh was stubborn. We always are arguing back and forth. Who hardened whose heart? Was it Pharaoh? Was it God? Well, here you're told Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of a man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord the males, the first offspring of every womb, but every firstborn of my sons I redeem. There's no human sacrifice in the Bible. That's abominable to God. The firstborn of males went through a rite of redemption. All of this is a foretaste of the gospel. They were redeemed. And later the Lord claimed the Levites for himself in exchange for the firstborn sons of the people. You can write down Numbers 3, verses 40 through 51. And so it's the firstborn that is the subject matter. Just look at a couple other verses. Turn to the book of Numbers. So you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. Go to Numbers 3 for a second. Numbers chapter 3. Some of this recounts uh, the times of the Israelites as they're wandering around. And it says, again, the Lord spoke to Moses, Numbers 3.11. Now behold, I've taken the Levites from among the sons of Israel instead of every firstborn, 
the first issue of the womb among the sons of Israel, so the Levites shall be mine. Numbers 3.13. For all the firstborn are mine. On the day that I struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified myself all the firstborn in Israel from man to beast. They shall be mine. I am the Lord. And then one more, Numbers 33. Numbers 33. It says these, verse 1, Numbers 33, 1. These are the journeys of the sons of Israel by which they came out from the land of Egypt by their armies under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. Numbers 33.2. Moses recorded their starting places according to their journeys by the command of the Lord. These are the journeys according to their starting places. They journeyed, verse 3, from Ramses in the first month on the 15th day of the first month, on the next day after the Passover, which was Nisan 14. The sons of Israel started out boldly in the sight of all the Egyptians. The Israelites set out from Ramses on the 15th day of the first month. The day after the Passover, they marched out boldly in full view of all the Egyptians. That's the NIV. Look at verse 4. While the Egyptians were burying all their firstborn, whom the Lord had struck down among them, the Lord had also executed judgments on their gods. This is interesting, but when Israel was leaving Egypt, the Egyptians were digging graves. There was not one house where there wasn't a firstborn dead in Egypt. Egypt becomes a type of the world. It's a picture of the world. And God saved the firstborn of Israel. How did he save them? By the blood of the lamb applied to the doorpost and the lentil. But the Egyptians who were not under the blood, what did they experience? The judgment of Almighty God. And as these pictures of the firstborn and, you know, when God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill the firstborn, the firstborn are mine, you can see some of these connections begin to emerge in your Bible. We are told in Hebrews 12, 23, if you turn back to the book of Luke, it says, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, that's the church of Jesus Christ, who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. We have by one offering been perfected for all time, those who are sanctified in Jesus Christ. This is the significance of Christmas consolation. Look at Luke 2 and look at verse 24. They came and it says, to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, this is, I've got to take you back to Leviticus one more time. Are you guys okay? Everybody say yes. Even if you're not. (laughs) Leviticus 12, go back, look at verse 6. All right, so they offer two young pigeons. So here's what Leviticus 12 goes on to say. It says, when the days of her purification, we're we're back now to the woman who's had the child, Leviticus 12, 6, are completed for a son or for a daughter. She shall bring to the priest at the doorway of the tent of meeting a one-year-old lamb. For a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. So you have two things there. The lamb for the burnt offering. And look at verse 6. And a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. This is what she's supposed to do. And he shall offer it before the Lord, the priest, and make atonement for her, the mom. And she shall be cleansed from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, whether male or female. But if she cannot afford a lamb... Then she shall take two turtle doves, this is what they did, or two young pigeons, the one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her 
and she shall be clean. Back to Luke chapter two. Here comes Joseph and Mary with the baby Jesus doing according to the law of Moses and she now has to have an offering to make atonement for her sin. They can't afford a lamb so they go with the what's provided for the poor, which is the two birds. But here's the beauty of this scene. She already had her lamb in her arms. He is the lamb of God who does what? Takes away the sin of the world. She may not have fully realized it at that moment. They couldn't afford it, so they did the secondary offering for the poor, but in her arms was her lamb. She was holding in her arms the one who would cleanse Mary from her sins. And some people, when I say something like that, they go, what are you talking about? I thought Mary was, was pure, born without the stain of original sin. That's not true. Mary needed a savior. Luke 147, in Mary's Magnificat, she says, I rejoice in God my Savior. And this is another argument. Just think about it with me. Why does she have to go through this process of atonement being made for her unless she was a sinner? Just think about it for a second. That's why she goes there. Because she needed the cleansing for all humans. Mary was counted among the human race, just like any other woman who would have a child. Now, Mary was very special. She was highly regarded among women. She was blessed, but she was still human, and she still needed a Savior, and her lamb was in her arms. I think it's just a remarkable uh, testimony to God's goodness that he uses people like us to get his message out. Mary's ultimate purification would not come from this ceremony. Incredibly, it would come from her own son's blood. The fact that she offered this sin offering shows again her need for a savior. The Bible says the purification from sin cannot come from the blood of bulls and goats. It must come from the son of God. And that's what would happen for her and has happened for us. All of a sudden, in this particular setting, the camera pans, if you will, Luke 2.25, and it says, Behold, take a look. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. His name means the Lord hears. This man was righteous and devout. He was looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So the camera pans now to this man named Simeon. Notice, he's a righteous man. He's devout. Are you devout? There's people that seem to be in two extremes in the Christian walk that I've experienced. You either are devout or you live in doubt. Sometimes it's how people view you. Sometimes people doubt the authenticity of your walk and they go, that person's a Christian? But there are people who are devout. What is a devout? You know, sometimes we say that person is really religious. (laughs) Have you heard that before? That means they're serious about their faith. There's not many of them out there. So, you know, when you meet one, that's, that's how people respond. They're really religious. And, and that's usually not spoken of in glowing terms. Have you noticed? It's not usually, that guy's really religious. Isn't that refreshing? No, it's, he's really religious. You know, like at Christmas parties, he wants to talk about Jesus. Can you believe it? Really religious. Yeah. I hope that's what they say about us. 
You've been listening to Christmas Consolation Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's a special Christmas teaching from Pastor Michael. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. you got to check it out. It's available in your app store. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with the final word. Well, this is Pastor Michael Lance, and it is Christmas Day, and we are so excited that we could share the hope of Christmas, Christmas consolation with you and hopefully those that you love. Hey, I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas from the whole team right here at Walk in Truth. And for those who are part of Living Truth Christian Fellowship who support the radio ministry that's now moving all around the world. And we're so grateful to be able to speak to you on this special day, this Christmas day. Pray that you've been encouraged by the word of God that's been shared. And I pray that you'll draw close to the Lord Jesus Christ this Christmas season. So may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his wonderful face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you, and may he give you his peace. Jesus is our peace, so stay close to him. We'll see you, Lord willing, right here tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's Christmas teaching called Christmas Consolation. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, Merry Christmas, and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.